I will say in the flight path, though, airplanes have a tendency to, to cross over at like the most contentious time during the meeting. Somebody's like in the middle of a tirade and then suddenly no one can hear them and we all just kind of have to pause and take a deep breath. <laughs> Wait for the plane to pass. I guess we could start at the beginning about where do you start with a Yellow Bike project? How did you get into it? Uh, beginning with, I guess, you, Tom? <laughs> sure, I'll take it. So I don't exactly remember when I started. I've always been a bicyclist since I was little, riding around in southern Illinois and all over the place. But I got involved with Yellow Bike probably 2003, 2004, and just showed up at the shop. It used to be over at 51st Street, and it looked a lot like what we have here. The tools weren't all on individual stands. They were on a back wall and people would go grab them and Mm -hmm. come and work on their bikes. But I needed to work on my bike. I needed some tools that I didn't have. So I came in here and the tools were all available and I started working on my bike. And then I wanted to get involved. So I just started showing up and working on bikes for the community. Yellow bikes were a thing that we did for a long time that we would paint up bikes, just set them so that you could ride them. They wouldn't shift gears, but they would break and stop. And we would set them out for people to use. Basic bike to use. Yep. Very, very simple bike. And then kept going from there and was eventually, I think I requested to be a coordinator, but at that time I might have asked or somebody might have said, hey, you're here enough, you should become a coordinator. And since then we've streamlined the process to give people an opportunity um, to join the collective and have decision-making powers. And I joined as a coordinator at that point. I took a brief break somewhere around 2007 or 8 where... I had helped start up a thrift store here in town, then jumped back in about, I guess it was two years after that, and I've been with the project ever since, and I was a secretary for a while, which uh, I typed up the notes for the meetings was the (laughs) primary thing I did, and coordinated usually Friday nights. I haven't had as much time to do that of late, because recently, about a year and a half ago, I took on the treasurer job, plus I have a a few other things that I do outside, but I just keep the books for the organization and and, uh, make sure that everybody who's paid at the project gets paid, and hope that things keep going from there. That's great. (laughs) And uh, how about you, Thomas? I guess I first started coming to the Yellow Bike Project in 2007. I was a student at UT, and I did our Earn a Bike program, uh, built a bike, and then uh, commuted on that while I was in school and actually started uh, bike touring like cross-country when I finished school. And over the years that I was on the road, I built several bikes at other community bike shops like this one. I guess shout-outs to Working Bikes in Chicago, Free Cycles in Missoula, and Street Level in Berkeley. I moved back to Austin a couple of years ago and started volunteering. I had a similar experience where coordinators kind of peer pressured me into, "Hey, you're you're here and you're real helpful. Why don't you like become one of us and you know do some more heavy lifting?" And I recommend people try it out. Uh, since then, we have uh, organized and and started a, an education staff, uh, which I am now uh, employed by, and I am sort of the secretary the, at the meeting where we decided officers. You know. It was was like one of those jobs that nobody really wanted to do so i was like all right i'll do it if i can get some help let me farm some of this out to this list of sort of deputy secretaries that i try and get help so uh yeah but it's really great 
ASC2 have been with the organization for a while, so that brings into the next question is, could you explain what exactly Yellowbike Project is and does? The sort of soundbite version that I usually go with differentiates us from a commercial shop where people pay staff money to fix their bikes for them. At the Yellow Bike Project, volunteers teach people how to fix their own bikes for free. That's the thing, one thing that we've always done since, I guess, six years ago. We've gotten a couple of other programs going. Do you want to talk about the mechanic operation? Yeah, for sure. So we were putting bikes out that, like I said, the yellow bikes that were just sort of rideable. And then we decided, well, let's sell some bikes to make a little bit more money. And so we would sell volunteer-built bikes and put them out, and people would buy them and ride them around and then come back and fix them. We decided that we wanted a little more quality control, and it's tough to get quality control in a volunteer organization organization mm-hmm. because you've got so many other tasks that need to be yeah. done um and and so you have to coordinate really strongly and we're a, a we're a little loose more loosely connected overall so we decided to start up a mechanics operation to build those bikes and to earn a little bit more money for the organization because our next goal was to start up an education program. Really, the education program had been a long-term goal probably since the first five years of our startup time. But getting funding to run after-school programs and make it possible for adults and children alike to come in and use the organization was tough. So we started the mechanic operation and it paid for itself. The bikes that you see behind you over there are all bikes that are sold, built up by our mechanic staff, and they're all used bikes. Um, We're supported by Bicycle Sports Shop um, in terms of bikes that they can't put back out on the racks to sell. They donate to us and we put them up, we build them up, put them on the racks. It's like an adoption center for bikes. Exactly. Exactly. And Kyle's looking for a bike too. Uh, We've got bikes. There we go. (laughs) I'm not really good with my hands and like tools. Tools kind of scare me a little bit. But what would you say for a beginner that walked in that was like, hey, I want to help, but I don't know what to do. Is this a wrench? What is this? (laughs) Yeah, we we get that all the time, believe it or not. Uh, Plenty of folks want to come and help and uh, maybe don't have a lot of bike experience or or none at all. And that's totally fine. One of the things that, that we try to be able to do is to teach someone who knows nothing about bikes, literally anything they want to know about working on bikes, uh, riding. And, you know, a good place to start is changing a flat or patching a tube. Uh, We've got a whole station set up just for that. There are a number of other sort of uh, not super technical tasks that that you can do. We have an earn a bike program that has a, a volunteer component to it. If somebody wants to build a bike for themselves, they volunteer 24 hours of their time. They work through a checklist of repairs. And, and so that's, you know, where a lot of folks will go when they, they come in, they want to help, they're interested. Oh, I can earn a bike. And it's a pretty guided uh, tour of kind of all the basic mechanicals on a, on a bike. And the coordinators that are here during open shop are are kind of the first resource um, if somebody has a, a problem on a bike or you know there's uh, something they need to know how to do you can just raise up a hand and uh, a coordinator can come and, and talk you through that repair and show you where the parts and tools are and, and how everything works how did the earn a bike program come around i think that's a really amazing idea and it's a good way to promote basically cycling to everybody because you could essentially get a free bike by working instead of 24 hours where did the idea come from? So 
it, it's another idea that had been a long time in the pot. And it came about because we wanted something to guide people through. We wanted to see that checklist because people would come in and say, hey, I don't know the first thing about anything. What do I do? And if we were slammed at the shop or things mm-hmm. like that, we were busy running around helping everybody. We wouldn't have as much time to sit with somebody and guide them step mm-hmm. by step on things. And so we developed the checklist, the earn a bike checklist that allowed people to come in, volunteer their time and earn a bike out of it so that that it's a simple checklist so it doesn't seem as daunting it's also yeah, just nice to have tasks and be like, oh, i didn't yeah. have volunteer for this <laughs> right, right. here's a bike it used to be that you would just hand a bike to somebody and say well this is something that needs fixing and they wouldn't know the first thing about yeah. it or they would and they'd take it all apart and you'd have a part that was in parts kind of thing so the earn a bike process came about because we wanted people to have an outlet to volunteer but also just some sort of I guess payoff at the end where yeah. you can volunteer your time but you also need a bike to get around so now you have a bike and that probably makes people want to come back too i bet it's hard with volunteers sometimes you see them and then other times you're like where did the volunteer go they just kind of ghost a lot but in this instant i don't think they're gonna leave half a bike just hanging out sometimes oh they do they, they will but less it's less likely when you've got that incentive i think and yeah. just and then there's more room for communication about a, a list of things than just handing somebody a mm-hmm. bike. It's like, oh, I see on this list it says derailleur. What's a derailleur? Yeah. And, and you can develop a conversation around. But it's a great way to get the word out into the community, too. Because they, you can say to their friends, like, oh, yeah, I'm volunteering at this place. Got a yellow bike. They do amazing things to bikes and you get bikes are cheaper you just do like what i'm doing yeah. and volunteer and help out what's the uh, typical process like for the checklist like oh i should have one in front of me and then i could <laughs> uh, you know poke around at the different sections shifting and braking have uh, a few things each a typical bike is going to have front derailleur and a rear derailleur those will often need work the chain's probably going to need at least lubrication maybe replacing yeah the brakes may need new cables or housing there could be any number of issues with the tires or if it has tires, you know, when they start working on it. Um, and then the bearing systems, which are kind of the, like, inside parts of the, the wheels and the... Trying not to use too many technical terms here, <laughs> yeah. but, but yeah, yeah. The, the really involved parts. I'm nodding my head. And, <laughs> yeah. I haven't ridden a bike since high school, so I just kind of bike chain embrace. Uh, we do have a number of organizations that we give bikes to. It's sort of connected with Earn a Bike. Um, when someone is volunteering their time to work through the repair checklist, they're working on bike bikes that will eventually be fully fixed up and we give those bikes to organizations like the Refugee Services of Texas uh, we used to give a lot of bikes to Casa Marianella um, we give a lot of bikes to Caritas um, so groups that are maybe better at identifying members of the community who need a bike to get to and from their work or school mm-hmm. and are going to ride it every day and take care of it and I-, I think that's the modern version of the yellow bike are you guys like constantly busy with your schedule then like it must be hard to decide which projects to pursue if there's a lot of demand <laughs> that uh it is i think yeah and there's there's a subcommittee for that uh in <laughs> typical yellow light that's, form that's like the, farm that out to the subcommittee yeah we are busy i think a lot of the time um there, there's always something to do i will say though we tend not to go to places and do things as much as do things here because the shop oh, okay. is really our our strongest resource all the tools and parts and uh you know being able to get people here so most of the work gets done here and then if a group is getting you know a number of bikes donated usually they can figure out a way to come pick them up which is kind of handy 
We're in the planning process to add a little bit more space to hopefully support our education program some more to give ourselves a little more storage space. Mm -hmm. If you've looked around in the back, there's two trailers piled with bikes. There's wheels. There's bikes everywhere. A shipping everywhere. container. Yeah. Slab full of frames and parts <laughs> and total boneyard. Uh, you have yeah. this huge yard out here behind us. Like, are you planning on expanding or is that? This land, so part of how we came to have this shop, we were originally at 51st Street over in the Mule development about where the oh, yeah. water tower is a little bit we got moved onto this land the city supported us and gave us a lease and we built this structure so that we would have a more permanent space overall oh. austin energy funnily <laughs> enough oh hey um, helped us with like this is used to be all their land if it's you stretch all the way over to 12th street so the What's across the fence there is still a AE land, oh, and this okay. is actually still AE land. The building itself is our building huh. that we built. So I had no idea that a, a my place of work and your place of work yeah. had like that partnership together. Yeah. That's, so, that's cool. So, yeah, everything's connected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, like uh, this is coming from being a city employee. The goal of Austin, like their city motto is to make it the most livable city in the U.S. And this project definitely helps with that because he said like you're providing transportation for people that go to work. You're making easy access to bikes and bikes are pricey. I was at a bike shop the other day looking at new bikes and like the cheapest bike is like $550. i am like, I have a budget for like 400 right now. Mm-hmm. I can't spend that much. And like, you're promoting exercise too because you could just sit in your car or... You can bike. Yeah. You can get to almost all of the same places you would get in a car on a bicycle. Yeah. Especially in a city just like, yeah. like Austin. It's so bike friendly here. Do you have any idea like how many cyclists we have? I would. Oh, I know that you can look it up on the city's website somewhere. There's a counter. It's like oh, a real is. time. Yeah, you can like oh. watch the numbers tick as somebody oh. rolls over one of those little bump things that they oh. set on the road. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. One thing that's really great about these bike promotion projects is the fact that it alleviates traffic and stuff like Mopac which is ridiculously backed up all the time. And they're getting ready to come online with their bike. There's the bike uh, path that's along Mopac, right? Is that the Violet Crown Trail? That goes further Hmm. south. I think it's part of it. I can't remember exactly, but... Yeah, yeah. I, think so. I, think it's, I love like how bike-friendly this city is, and that's why I think I can buy a bike soon. I think it makes it really unique, too, and a part of Austin's charm that so many people are coming to because it's such an outdoor city. Yeah. Are there yellow bike projects elsewhere? Like I was looking through Twitter, and I actually when I came here to meet you guys, I took a photo, and it was like, hashtag yellow bike, and I saw like, somebody else like, posted from a different city, hashtag yellow bike. San Francisco, there's a fellow Woody who got his chops here in Austin, and he went out to San Francisco and helped to start up a project that's similar out there. And there's a number of other community bike shops within San Francisco and the Bay Area. I think Yellow Bike is a name that's been around prior to 97 when we yeah. were I think, is it developing. Copenhagen or Amsterdam? One of those like super bikey cities has like a Yellow Bike program yeah. or did maybe where they would leave out bikes. And it's I think it was in wherever this was, there were so many bikes that it didn't matter. <laughs> like if you left it yeah. out because there was always another one to ride like yeah, so. yeah that'd be great to live and in that kind of city i think that yeah. was the inspiration and i think that's where we got the name because they're yellow yeah. and okay. ut had um we helped develop the orange bike project were you involved with that for a little uh, while um i wasn't with orange bike but when the 21st street co-op set up yeah. the we got a, sort of a satellite shop going um 21st street co-op bike project something like that. They have a name that's similar but 
Yeah, one of the things that we've helped work those types of organizations do is with parts and tools like Casa Marinella, we provided them with a tool set and they've become a little more self-sufficient as well in terms of fixing up bikes and making it so that not only do their the people they support have bicycles to ride. They have the tools and know-how to fix those bikes. There's a bike shop up in Denton that we gave piles of parts and stuff to <laughs> to help them get started and one down in the valley as well. And Brownsville, oh, yeah, Brownsville Bike yeah. Barn. So, so these uh, community bike shops, these are actually more common than I thought they were then. Yeah. There's like every city seem to have one. Maybe not every city, but there, there are a lot out there. There's a wiki somewhere that has like a long list Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there we all come together every year at a conference called Bike Bike. Oh, oh cool! Or is that a punk rock? It's in a different place every year. Okay. Uh, this year it's nice. in Detroit. So what happens at Bike Bike? Uh, a lot of folks, uh, community organizers of other shops and other places, will get together and, and kind of talk shop and uh, compare ideas and best practices and commiserate over some of the common, you know, sort of perpetual <laughs> problems that we all share. Yeah. Uh, some of them have staff, some of them don't. Some of them have education programs or kids programs, some of them don't. Some have like an inherent city connection through whatever municipality where they're based or the campus where they may be based. Uh, a lot of them are, are really independent. And it sounds like there's a high demand too, or there's a lot of people in communities that want to go and help or want to join a bike project like that. So if it's not in your community, I bet you could find, create a meetup group or... Do we, something like that. We get email a few times a year from somebody in small town somewhere <laughs> saying, we want to do what you're doing. Help. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, and we, t- we sort of try and point them in the, to, to the nearest project that might be able to help them out and, and uh, you know, provide them with whatever info we can. Yeah, it's nice to see, see people that are interested in it and on bikes and going around. Do I mean, you have- do you have like a favorite memory or moment like that kind of keeps you going like during like the crappy days? You're like, ah, I'm just so tired today. I'm happy here. But like, do you have like a favorite memory that like keeps you go like like your proudest moment of working here? I, I don't, I, I don't know if it's here, but I, I just hop on my bike and go, and yeah. it's just nice uh, because it sort of washes everything away. But uh, I, <laughs> I, I have a moment kind of somewhat regularly here, uh, and this is also a product of me working in bike shops like professionally I'm, I'm a mechanic and when i'm at work you know there's some demanding customer that wants to stand there and watch and tap their foot impatiently while you're getting sweaty and greasy like trying to fix some esoteric part i come to the yellow bike project and these people are so you know the people who are working on their bikes for instance are so happy for someone to answer their question about how to fix this thing they're happy to get sweaty and greasy themselves and do it themselves all i have to do is tell them how and that's like so easy for me because i just like know bikes you know it's it's the most effective way i think for me to help out so that's really gratifying for me yeah i was just gonna write off of that it's such an amazing feeling i think for people to go through the earn a bike or even just to work on their own bikes but to finalize that last part on their bike and then they go out and ride it and they've got a bike that they put their hands on and made happen kind mm-hmm. of thing. it's like your baby it's also <laughs> kind of gets rid of the problem that everybody has in their cars where if it breaks down you need to go to a mechanic if you don't know any about the car but if your bike breaks down and if you've worked here you're like oh i just need to get this and that and then i'm done in 20 minutes or less 
Uh, t- you two are obviously avid cyclists, and uh, Thomas, you said that you did cross-country bike- biking for a while? Uh, correct, yeah. yeah. Um, How far do you go, and what was the journey like? I did a bunch of different little tours kind of all around uh, the U.S., and a little bit of Canada and a little Mexico. You know, a lot of them were somewhat organized um groups like bikes across borders or uh which is based here um or the grassroots caravan in wisconsin you know there's a core group of locals that'll sort of organize most of the the route and the places to stay and and a lot of the networking involved with you know getting everybody's bikes outfitted and you know those are a lot of fun and and solo touring is a lot of fun too and easier than you might think i mean it's you know if you have like some camping gear and Mm -hmm. a bike that you can strap it to i mean you could just take a little weekender to the nearest state park and it's all kind of downhill from there i guess <laughs> well, that sounds so fun like uh, i grew up uh, backpacking but i never did like, any kind of cross-country cycling so <laughs> i definitely get the appeal it's, you have the good gear then yeah backpacking stuff yeah. lighter weight yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's not as fast cycling you're moving a lot faster than backpacking mm-hmm. well but you're halfway there so <laughs> you just need to get that bike depends on the headwind too yeah yeah Yeah, probably the most popular bike tour route on the continent is the west coast of the u.s because in the summer there's a tailwind if you're going south like pretty much the entire way and good weather like it's it's such a and signage actually you don't even need a map you can just follow the the signs all the way from the canadian border to the mexican border I'd feel really distracted with all the views, though. I'd want to stop and take a picture every probably two seconds. I think being on a bike makes it easier to stop and take pictures than being in a motor vehicle. Plus, it's easier to just not be in the middle of the road if you're on a bike. And you'll have more opportunity, too, because it usually takes you like a month or two to do that tour, for instance. So you'll, you know... More pictures. I understand that Yellow Bike House does like retreats for the volunteers and mechanics, right? Uh, where, like, do you usually like to cycle to like, a national park and camp out a couple of days, or how's it? Our retreats over the past years have put us out at uh, one of our our shop stewards' house, which is out towards Manor, and so we bike out there. Okay. But in other years, we've gone to I think Emma Long, McKinney Falls. We've done as well, but it's usually our lost pines i think we did one year as well where but they're biking out to them and it's nice because you get to chat with folks yeah. while you're on the road that's be a great way to uh, bond with all your coworkers and in a way because yeah. here you're working but like there you're just saying kick back you're doing relax. something that you love yeah yeah well, the retreat itself is a lot of, it's like the meeting that you came to where it's that, mm-hmm. except it's eight hours. <laughs> oh. So, yeah. so it's hashing out what we're going to do for the next year, or in some years it's been hashing out what we did for the past 10 years and no. uh, trying to come to some conclusions, but never quite getting there. Oh, yeah, that's something I like <laughs> about the uh, structure of this place. It's like you take everybody's input into, like, if, you, if you're a volunteer, you have a say in, like, in the direction of this uh, yeah, we and probably most of the other community bike co-ops uh, in North America are horizontally organized. So there's not like a boss yeah. who tells <laughs> anyone what to do, really. You know, maybe partly by virtue of us being uh, volunteer driven, you know, everyone's on equal footing. And if some people are more passionate about this issue or that issue, a lot of times a subcommittee will form or, you know, the the sort of larger collective will say, okay, can the three or four of y'all get together and come back to us with, uh, you know, a more detailed proposal or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, everyone is empowered to the same level and and we're sort of all in charge and none of us are in charge. It's kind of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That was actually one of the 
challenges I guess trying to contact you too is uh, when I was emailing and like calling this place, I was like, who do I talk to? Like who's like the <laughs> like the president of this? But then I was like, there is no one. I was like, okay, who do I talk to? They like, come to the meeting. Like, okay, yes, I go there. Yeah, that's totally I, part of it. We get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. We use consensus at our meetings, and so really, if there's a proposal, any one person can block it and say, "No, I, I don't want us to do that." So, why is vetoing power um, in a way? Basically, yeah, and so it means for you know some longer conversations sometimes, and we really get down to the issues that you know people have, and I think we tend to work them out uh, usually pretty well. Yeah, and you put a pause on things when you're not getting close to what everybody can agree on. Mm -hmm. To jump back a second, we were talking about the Earn a Bike program, and it's actually one of the ways we get a lot of our new volunteers in, but it also is one of the ways we get a lot of our new collective members in. Our collective is the governing body for the organization, the decision-making folks. Those were the Mm -hmm. people that you got to meet at the meeting the other day, and pretty much anybody you talk to on the phone, coordinators or collective members. We bring people in, and they become apprentices. They volunteer and commit to one shop a night to run as apprentice coordinators and then they develop from there into coordinators they find a mentor or we assign them a mentor and that kind of gets legs under people in terms of how the shop runs and how we operate but after you have your 24 hours is when you are allowed to become an apprentice and then once you've gone through we have an apprentice workbook that people can look at and work through and then once you've gone through that and your mentor feels that you're ready then you can become a coordinator and at that point a full collective member and have all of the decision-making power. And then you just have to maintain, I think it's 90 hours over three months is what we oh, we have yes. in our bylaws. I li- yeah, I like so. it how it's always like a growth process too. There's no really stopping point. You start at the low end and you just can keep on going up. Yeah, you could throw in all your time or you can build a bike and move on and tell other people about it Mm -hmm. when we initially started or at least when i initially started we were running shops with i think one coordinator for a night and then slowly built up um to two coordinators and now we have a requirement that there are three coordinators to have an open shop so that and for a while we toyed around with four coordinators but we just didn't have the numbers in our collective to make it happen but there just comes a point when you have to have enough voices to go talk to everybody about what's going on with their bike to be able to help folks out. So. And so Austin's growing too, so yeah. as Austin's growing, but you get more volunteers and more customers every day. Is it hard sometimes to adjust to the growth? To kind of maintain everything? It's hard always. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Change is difficult. Yeah. yeah. But you have yeah. to but you obviously have success adapting though to it and i guess that's what makes a great business yeah. glad that we can give you that impression <laughs> <laughs> i think it's 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 tough because we're working with people and mm-hmm. uh, both the people who come into the shop and the people who run the organization change throughout time so and throughout the year because we all have different schedules so some people will be traveling more over the summer so the mm-hmm. collective will operate with a certain mindset and then when people come back and other people go on vacation the mindset changes a little bit it's mm-hmm. uh i mean to some extent, there's some hive thought to it, but it's yeah. also just developing that consensus process so that we're moving the organization in a direction that works for everybody who's a part of it at that time. Mm-hmm. And so being around for so many years has 
you know, tried it in every possible way yeah. that we know up, of up until now, and I'm sure every possible way will continue yeah. to grow. <laughs> Practice makes perfect, huh? So, yeah, when yeah. you keep on doing it. Are there any uh, important lessons in leadership, you've, in leadership that you've learned as it's grown? Like how to deal with new people, to disputes in the workplace? I've learned about trust, you know, it's like this person clearly wants to do this thing more than I do. And I'm just going to trust them that they're going to do it the best way. And they usually do. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're run by volunteers. And so, I mean, how much can you ask? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really nice to, to be able to, to just rely on other, other volunteers to, to do the work that they say they're going to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. Trust is a key factor in it all because, we're loosely organized and so it it means when somebody commits to doing something you just trust that it's going to happen and it does it it does happen yeah and like as you said like these are volunteers so they came there out of their free will they they weren't they didn't have to get a job they wanted to take this job so trust is definitely here's Here's the fire engine (laughs) the promised fire engine (laughs) (laughs) it's a great location here (laughs) (laughs) but i mean your safety is uh, if there was a fire it would (laughs) they're right here definitely it's where a lot of bikes get test ridden through their parking lot so if anything were to happen (laughs) we said it's the safest bike shop in all of texas then (laughs) potentially potentially (laughs) and we've got what is that four hundred thousand gallons of rainwater per silo or something over there we could just turn on the spigot and you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's perfect yep so uh, what's in store for the future of Yellow Bike like over the next couple of months, two years? Like any, seems like you guys have grown if a lot. If you can reveal so. it to us, yeah. you know. Yeah, there may be any there's surprise, us, surprises <laughs> up your sleeve. Um, well, the probably the, the biggest thing recently, uh, well, the mechanic staff hired uh, a couple more folks, so we're, we're growing. That's good news. Uh, and, and the biggest news of probably of this year, um, in April we approved uh, an education program, uh, which had been in the works really for, you know, um, for months on the the sort of like high level, but but really in the works for years, um, it's uh, six staff members. Um, I am one, and uh, we are a self-managed collective. Um, so we have meetings, and similar to our larger collective, we kind of will volunteer for various tasks to to tell ourselves what to do kind of we have a curriculum of classes that are rolling out this fall we've got classes on safe commuting and fixing flats and shifting a class on braking a class on bearings one on wheel truing Um, we're hoping to add more programming to that uh, lineup and we've also got a good bit of of work in after school programs. Um, there's going to be sort of a kids earn a bike program um, and some during school programming. Uh, we've done a little bit of that, but um, we're hoping to expand. What schools are you partnering up with then? Um, so far, it's been Sims Elementary uh, for the most part. They're on the other side of that fence, so it's oh, okay, so really easy. Yeah, yeah, they're and well. A school right over there. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, their teacher. I guess there was, there was a teacher that got really amped about Yellow Bike and. He would just walk the students around the block to the oh. shop for, you know, an uh, hour and a half or, or so. And um, and then they would go back afterward. And uh, and he came back the next week with a different class. And so that was sort of a pilot program. And we're trying to make that sort of replicable for other schools and uh, homeschoolers and who, whoever can get to the shop. That seems to be a big determining factor. We did an on-site program with uh, Webb Middle School this summer. 
and it was all right. I think before we do much more programming away from this shop, um, you know, we've got we've got some more work to do in terms of refining, uh, you know, how everything can go. We've started up over this time um, in the past year. We're also, I mentioned the new construction, so we also approved that as a collective to start doing fundraising. And so we'll see where that goes. Speaking of fundraising, (laughs) where could somebody come and donate to Yellow Bike then? The ways to donate to Yellow Bike, ideally you'd come in and build bikes so that other people, because we have organizations that are coming in and asking us for rideable bikes for Mm -hmm. people so time that is more them. important than money in terms of this? Time is extremely important, but money helps as well. So it's if you don't manage to make it that week, uh, send in some money as well because that money will go towards our programming, towards getting bikes and locks and lights to people and things like that. So. And there is a donate button on our website, which is austinyellowbike.org. Our podcast is Everyday Superhumans. So if the project could be a superhero, what, which superhero do you think would define Yellow Bike? I think a, a bike is yeah, that. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think a bike. I think <laughs> we'll just <laughs> anthropomorphize a, yeah. a bike. Just, <laughs> just a bike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bicycle repairman from the Monty Python yeah. skit. There you go. There's always something go on, going on. So I think that'd be, it's a tough. I know. Yeah. That's a really hard-hitting question. Right. I when like you, to end on a pretty <laughs> sensitive note. <laughs> <laughs> For more on the Austin Yellow Bike Project, check out austinyellowbike.org where you can learn all about their upcoming classes and volunteer opportunities. Or if you're just looking for a new bike, the retail hours are in there as well. Want to unlock your inner superhuman and save the world? You can do that by checking us out at everydaysuperhumans.com where you can stay up to date with all the news on Austin's nonprofits and read our blog tips and tricks on making the world a better place each and every day. You can also follow us on Twitter at SuperhumansCast, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash EverydaySuperhumans, and check out our Instagram at EverydaySuperhumans. And hey, if you like this episode as much as we did interviewing Tom and Thomas, be sure to rate us on iTunes. That would be super cool of you. And remember, not every hero has to fly, so grab your cape and let's go. You want a hit? Blah 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 blah. Or maybe blah, we don't do blah. hits. Blah 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 blah. Blah blah. blah. <laughs> They're still recording. Blah. I don't know why I hit the stop button. <laughs>